and beautiful people, beautiful congregation. We are here on the podcast live. What is going on with you? The People's Paradise Podcast is in your presence. It is in thine ear. Shout out to everybody who's partaking in the podcast. And as always, as in the culture of paradise, we always commence this podcast with a quote, with a verse, with a lyric from some great artist, some great singer whose lyrics just really, really had me in my feels two hours to recording. And this one, two hours prior to recording, and this one is going to be a quote from Calvin Richardson, who said in a beautiful ballad, in a beautiful song, a great song, he said, You're the blood in my veins or the air I breathe. On a hot summer day, you're like a shirt with no sleeves. What makes me a man, any fool could see. You are more than a woman to me. E E, shout out to Calvin Richardson. I've heard that song in passing, like when I was growing up. My mom would play it, play it on the way we would be driving back from Oakland. But like I've, uh, this was the first time I listened to the song and thoroughly like. And it's weird how you have some songs where, when you digest the song as a child, it don't necessarily make that much sense to you. But as you get older, you go through some more experiences. Then you go back to that song and be like, ooh. And that's happened to me. I'm going to tell you what song that was like that to me a minute ago was, um, do you remember that song, the International Players Anthem with Outkast? Like, ah, ah, I choose you with Outkast. So I typed a text to a young lady I used to see saying that I chose this cutie pie who I'm choose to, who I'm I choose to be. That song, when I, I used to, that song was so popular in 2007 and I couldn't understand why I hated that song. I was like, why do y'all like this song so much? Then I get older, get my heart broken a few times. Get my emotions ran through, uh, get a train ran through my heart and my soul. And I was in this song now in my 20s, and now I'm like, oh, wow, this, uh, am I crying right now? Is, 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 am I crying right now? Is this how I feel? You know, but uh, it is something to be said about how as you progress and as you get older, certain experiences, certain things that you'll indulge in, like certain things will make more sense because you have more, um, you have more material. I'm going to tell you another good song. It was like that's with me, and I'm, I'm in. I'm so I am so embarrassed to say say about this song because this is the hater this is the national hater song of all time play hater song of all time is Marvin's Room. Marvin's Room by Drake. When I first heard that song at 19 years old, I was like, "This is so corny. What is this? What is he talking? I'm gonna call him anyway and say fuck that nigga." And I'm trying to stop using foul language, but f that negro that you love so bad. I know you still think about the times we had. I've, initially, I was like, "Bro, why are you being such a hater? What is wrong with you? What is wrong? Who raised you?" Shout out to OGT Kirkman, OGTK Kirkman, who raised you to call a woman like that? But then as you get older, go through some heartbreaks, have your heart bleeding a few times, then you understand, then you understand, oh, oh, I, I'll bleed you like this. I have, I have never said F that Negro that you have loved so bad. But I have said some things that are quite the parallel to that. I have said, you know, hey, I'm cuter than the nigga you effing with. I'm cuter and taller. I'm better looking. I have a better dream. You like street N-words. You don't want nothing in their life but to shoot dudes for recreational purposes and go in jail and take showers with other grown men. I've said some. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I've got a lot of sauce for some rejections that I've gotten. But if, um, 
I've had a lot of sauce. I've had a lot of sauce for some rejections that I have gotten in the past. Um, shout out to this dude. I, I I I feel so uncomfortable shouting him out right now, but because uh, he had a uh, he put because his name. But shout out to the dude on Twitter's name. I'm Daddy. Dude campaigning for dark skins. He um he had put a video up saying he had put a video up saying. You know, you know, I, I was at the club or whatever, whatever, whatnot. And I saw this dude try to talk to this female. She rejected him. And he got hella pressed and was like, "Well, f you, b where are you trying to f with me?" But which is, which is, I don't know why in any region that you go to the United States, that's the go to for dudes to start cussing a woman out because you she she rejected you. Um, uh, like my personal opinion about that is, first off, stop doing that. That's just scary because all you're doing is just proving her right and her assumption of why she shouldn't have talked to you. That's the first thing. Second thing I want to second thing I'm gonna say too is I don't know because I used I used to I used to deal I used to deal really badly with rejection but now I don't just because I don't know once you once you realize well when I can't really talk that much mess because I was thinking about this the other day like whenever I go to the club whenever I, t- I I don't mean to sound cocky and I'm gonna sound cocky it is what it is but. I can't get that hung up on rejection because I get I when I tell you how much girls throw themselves at me when I be at the club or when I be at work, it's I know it's just if you I don't I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm just being real. So like it's I can't really get that bent up off rejection because in the last few days I've gotten six or seven girls' phone numbers and Snapchats and I'm not responding to them or talking to them just because I'm really focused on the podcast right now. Like I'm really on this fast of uh fast against pussy. Like I'm trying to really focus on my dreams, and I feel like I get sidetracked with girls because I'm a I'm a soft dude. Like I'm I'm a dark skin with a light with a light skin heart. You know, like if I, <clears throat> and you know, like I'm one of those type of dudes. Like when I like a woman, if I like a girl, I'm all in. I get all emotional. I get my feelings attached, and then that's when I start playing Calvin Richardson's More Than a Woman <laughs> too much. <laughs> that's when it gets too serious. That's when the that's when the commitment gets too real. You know, it is what it is. I mean, so to all the dudes out there, I guess who do get rejected by a girl, if when you do get rejected by a girl, because it's gonna happen, it's going to happen. I went to the club on Friday and Saturday, and each time I went, there was a girl who didn't want to dance with me. But at the same time, there was a girl who wanted to kiss me. There was a girl who wanted to rub all my face and grab my penis and want to make out with me every other night. And it's just the game. So you're gonna get rejected. That's just a part of life. Rejection is just a part of life in any in any in any endeavor, be it career, be it romance. Rejection rejection is a part of life. I think it's your. I think you you can't. You're going to feel some type of way about it. That's just the game. You're gonna feel some type of way about it. You're gonna feel a little soggy. That's that's just the that's just the way that life operates. You're going to feel kind of soggy. But at the same time, my reaction, my my response to that would be is you just got to pick yourself up and go after somebody else. You know hell. <clears throat> you know, it just it just happens. It just happens. Hell, Saturday night I was at this beautiful, lovely club called Blend Ultra Lounge in Lodi. It's one girl I danced with before. I met her before. Me and her danced one time when I was at the club. I danced with her friend, tried to get her to friend. Her friend wasn't failing me at the time. I tried to I talked to her at the club, tried to dance when I was there. She was like, "Nah, I'm okay. I'm not dancing right now." And next thing you know, this little short dude who I felt was way more or less aesthetically gifted than I. Got on her side, grinding her. She was really messing with him, and I feel some type of way. Next thing you know, girl danced with me, prettier than her, prettier than her. Danced with me, was making, trying to make out with me, trying to kiss me and stuff like that. Then this other girl, another Mexican girl. Pretty. I don't know why Mexican girls like me so much. I don't. I really. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
I don't know why I'm, I don't know why Mexican girls like me so much. I that is that is that is fascinating to me for a while. Um, I met one that night, and this is kind of jumping from the story, but this was interesting because it's kind of put me at a. I met one that night who I was talking to, and um, she was feeling me. I was feeling her, and when I got back home and I checked her Snapchat, whatever, whatnot, she had this uh, put this snap up with this guy she just broke up with, and she's like, you know. I miss you, God. I know this is hard, but you know we. It was just too much. I was dealing with being with you. It was just was too much. And this morning, she put up a video of her showing like bruises where he had punched her and stuff like that. And it made me feel some type of way as a man, because on one side, I'm not. I'm not just saying this because she's cute. Cause she is cute. I ain't gonna lie. On one end, you know, it made me want to, like, call him, like, hey, are you okay? What's up? I'll go see that and do. Granted, she lives in Concord, and Concord is way far from where I'm at. But, like, I'm like, you know, are you okay? There's a part of me as a man that makes me want to say, hey, man, hey, you know, like, that's not right. You shouldn't tolerate that. But there's another part of me that also knows. It also knows. Because I've done that before. I've stood in front of a guy when he was trying to get aggressive with a female. I've done that before. And generally speaking, I don't care. I don't care what the circumstances is. Nine times out of ten, she just gets right back with the guy. She gets right back with the guy. I grew up in a very abusive household. My mom got right back and forth with my dad every single time. She called her cousin to come whoop his ass every single time. Excuse my language. Every single time she went to my grandma's out grandma's house and we just say we were moving away. Every single time, my mom always did that. So I don't know. I might send her a message just to say, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't deal with that whoop, 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 and that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but uh, mm, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, uh, that, um, that made me just feel some type of weight, man, just morally as a man. Like, I don't know, man. You, um, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I'll never understand what makes women remain with men, stay with men who beat on them. My mom stayed with a man that beat on her all the time, that argued with her all the time. It was just a very, a very abusive, crazy, dysfunctional household. Like, Foster's, Foster's Home for Imaginary Creatures had nothing on us. Like, we were crazy. And it blows my mind that she could stay. I don't know, man. But then it goes both ways because I, but even then, like the bruises that she was showing, I was like, damn, like there's no both sides to that story. That dude is just crazy. And that's why, man, like, I don't know, man. You got to be, you got to be, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. To all the women out there, because some of you have babies with that significant other. Some of you guys have a lot of years putting with that significant other. Some of you guys have a lot of time invested in the relationship with that significant other. And I know you want to, um, I know, I know you want to, and I know sometimes you just, you know, want to make it work. But I mean, and you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes it is not worth it. Sometimes it's better to find somebody else who would truly appreciate you, who would truly love you. And, um, it's, um, you know, it's that, you know, that song by, um, what's that? Uh, it's so many songs, man, that used to speak, that used to so many songs that like really uh 
what was it? Let Me Love You by Mario. I Just Can't Wait by Trey Songs. All those songs that will let you know. Or, or Don't by Bryson Tiller. All those songs will let you know, like, you know, I could treat you so much better than he can. He's a weak Negro. You should not be in his hands. All those songs like that. All that. The uh, the Dirty Mac and the Sly Mac and the, the Morality. Though the Morality Mac and the Morality Mac and the Macing that is based on you, on you having better morality than the Negro that she's laying in the sheets with. That kind of morality. That, that kind of Mac. Which, to each his own. If that's your tactics to obtain Punani, it is what it is. But... I don't like say, I never like that route because I feel like it's undercutting the guy, it's kicking the legs, the kicking the legs from under the guy, and then on top of that, like you gotta understand, like most of the time I've seen when a woman is in a relationship with a guy that is beating on her and you're made aware of it, it's probably already been like that for a while, and she just for some reason just is really attached with attached to him. You know, um, it just it is what it, it just it is what it is. I don't um. I don't know. I don't know why that. Get, I don't know why I got to get so somber. I guess I don't know. I think that's why. That might be some of the reason why I'm such a very gentle person. Is like, like when it comes to women, I try not to cuss out. I try not to be rude. I try not to be disrespectful. I try not to. And I'm not the best person in the world. God knows I'm not the best person in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm so much of a b. I'm so much a pack a sack of s word. But at the same time. I'm trying to do my best to be a good person. I'm trying to do my best to do good in the world, you know. Um, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to do better to be. You know, we had a. Um, and obviously, me refraining from using foul language is not a sign of my amazing morality. But me and my cousin were having a debate about this because um, he uses a lot of profanity in his day to day conversations, and it irritates his mom and his dad. You know, his dad doesn't like him to curse randomly. And he gets offended by that because he feels like that's shortcutting his self-expression of who he is. Like, you're not letting me be me. He said, you know, when I'm around my mom, you're when I'm around my mom. It was an interesting conversation. He was like, when I'm around my mom, I can curse and I can feel like I can be me, whatever, whatnot. Or my dad, I feel like I can't even express who I am as a person. And it was interesting because my response to him when I told him is, one, you have to understand that using foul language in front of your parents is generally perceived by most people as disrespectful it is what it is ain't nothing you can do about that i said second because one thing he also said was that he doesn't like when they say he's too loud or he talks to it or whatnot what i also told him is bro you have to understand too you have a strong personality i have a strong personality when you have a strong personality here's the here's the thing about people with strong personalities and i want to let all y'all know this all those stars that you love ryan reynolds um, Robin Williams, Will Smith, all of them had strong personalities. All of them do. Jada Pinkett Smith. And let me tell you something. When you have a strong personality, by far, you're going to piss off a lot more people than you make. Uh, and you're going to have a lot of people hating you than admiring you just off rip. That's just the game. When you have a strong personality, when you have a personality that just demands attention, that just actually stands out, you are going to get a lot of people who don't like you. You are going to get people who think you're unfunny, who don't want to hear your opinion, who think your voice is annoying. Why are you always talking so loud? You're going to get those people just by a game. That's just the that's just the way of the world. And it's the same thing with him. Um, I'm gonna tell you, there was a comedian. His name is his name is a Greek name that I have no chance in hell of, pro- of pronunciating pro- properly on this podcast. He said, he said it's funny how how like when you're a comedian, everybody always says like how comedians have to be gets mad at comedians for going too far and that they need to be politically correct. He said, when I was motherfucker, when I was growing up, when I was a clown, when I, and I can tell you, I can tell you some F what he said. Let me tell you from personal experience. When I was a class clown in school, I never got appraisal for the jokes that I was making. 
I got detention. I got ass open in class. I got an ass open in class and had to be had to write and had to write in a piece of paper. Do uh, I will not be a class clown. I will not be a class clown. I will not be a class clown. Like I never got a. I never. <clears throat> I never got awarded for my for my for my amazing sense of humor. And I'm gonna tell you what's so messed up about that. I just thought about that right now. Is I'm not thinking about that. That lady told my dad I was a class clown or whatever. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even, I wasn't even, that, I wasn't even that bad. Like I was a, I wasn't even that bad. I was a good, I was a, I was a good kid. I was well behaved. I was well behaved. Yeah, I cracked jokes and I had a great sense of humor and I was the life of the party. I was charismatic as I, as I am. It is in the bloodline, but I was a good kid. But you know, no. And go tell my stepdad he is a class clown. And I. Oof. Oh, I got the oh, I got the butt whooping of a century because of that. That was, whew, whew. and Moses thought crossing the Red Sea was hard, nigga. It ain't nothing to getting out. Them Kenneth Cole belts, man. Them Kenneth Cole belts, man. I pretty like this. Them Kenneth Cole belts. Them Kenneth Cole belts would teach you a lesson about the world. I'm saying that right now, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting how um. There's always going to be a lot of adversity against your self-expression. Now, I think it was Jim Carrey who once said, your need for acceptance can make you invisible in this world. And that's something I always struggle with because growing up, I always felt this pressure. I wanted to be hood. I wanted to identify with being hood. I wanted to lose that. I wanted to lose that. Uh, I wanted to lose that nerd stigma that was attached to me for so long because I grew up in neighborhoods. I grew up around cousins who was always always with it always banging always out there always always you know when you grow up when you're black when you're black being a nerd in any culture is frowned upon but when you're black the um the um the the front stance the front line the front line example of what a man should be the front line the carving the architectural representation what a man should be our peer pressure is to be a street nigga. That's what that's what it is. When you're a black, when you're a black, when you are a black man, you grow up in a black community. The standard is for you to be a street nigga. It's for you to be a nigga who's who didn't shot eight or four or five people who's always ready for the action. That's the standard. And so you can be you can you can lose your identity of self trying to fit in with that mold, trying to be that, trying to be a hard nigga, trying to trying to be attached to the streets. And I struggle. I struggle with that even now. I struggle with that even now. Like it's a lot of times. It's a lot of times, man. I want to go out and I want to like really start stressing how hard uh, my hood was and how hard I grew up in. Because a lot of the times, the black experience is synonymous with poverty. It's synonymous with growing up in a certain type of environment, growing up dealing with certain type of things. And I, you know, I had my things. You know, hell, I lived in the hood and I lived in the slopes. I lived in uh, Windrush Hills. I lived in Hillside. I lived in the uh, ghettos. I went to ghetto schools, had to fight my way, got suspended for fighting, you know, got my tooth knocked out for fighting, got, I had a lot, of, I had a, I, you know, I went through a lot, you know, it was just the world, but I think the reason why I try not to put my ghetto story, the reason why I, tr- the, no, the reason why I try to keep my, the ghetto aspects of my life 
a size because I feel like it's inauthentic with who I am as a person. You know, like growing up, we when I was in the hood, I was never like a hard nigga. I wouldn't never run up on niggas and just giving fades and beating up people. That was never who, that that was never who I was as a person. Yeah, I always was the same guy I am now. I was cool, it was funny guy, you know, it was a nerd. It was cool, but I wouldn't I was never out there pressing hard lines on people. And I feel like me pressing that then also too one thing I thought about this too as well is like where I, where I come from where I grew the places that I grew up at on grew up at, at I don't I'm not the I don't speak for the culture there you know like when I lived in South Vallejo shout out to South Vallejo I love everybody I miss Norman King Center I miss growing up out there but like I I don't push a hard line for there because I'm not the voice for that culture Nefta Farrow is the voice for there lots can be the voice for there you know how even Biscuit shout out to Biscuit Biscuit is the Biscuit is the voice for there but like I wasn't the I wasn't the voice. That's not my that's not my path. That's not my path to be the voice for that neighborhood. It's just not. It's just not. It's just not. It is what it is. And I still got love. You know, I had a. God knows I have a lot of fond memories there, man. I remember them taking us to the Ken. God knows how many fond memories I have. I remember this. Remember the uh, Patterson Elementary. They took us to the Kentwick Bowling Alleys. I remember being in the choir for Norman C. Kingston. I remember playing with all my friends. I remember my first day moving out there. I remember going to middle school and then meeting up with everybody. I remember I had so many fond memories for that. But, like, I'm not the voice for that culture. I'm not the voice for that realm. It's the same thing when I lived in Bel Air, Montgomery. Like, I'm not the voice for Bel Air. I'm not the voice for East 6th Street. I'm the voice for... I'm the voice for those who identify with this message, regardless of whatever background they come from. And, you know, that's who I am. I'm the voice for whoever subscribes to this movement. You know, I can't be the voice for the ghetto. You know, that's just not me. That's not that's not who I am. I can be the voice for the people, though, from all different backgrounds, from all diverse settings, from all diverse skin colors. I can be the voice for you guys. So, with that being said, this has been the People's Paradise Podcast. I thank you for listening. I thank you for being entertained. And, uh, you know, hey, come back tomorrow. We got more for you tomorrow, as we always shall have more for more for more for more. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for, being, thank you for being a part of the family. Much love, peace, and chicana grease.